Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In a sudden flash, it all comes clear. It's a eureka moment, an epiphany. Hi, I'm Marcus Smith, host of the Constant Wonder Podcast. The world offers marvel, meaning, and mystery around every single corner. In nature, art, science, culture, history, we talk everything from bees and beetles to obelisks and asteroids. Experience the thrill of transformative encounter. We'll bring more wonder to your day. Listen to Constant Wonder wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Friday's History Hack. Specifically, welcome to the second instalment of what we're now calling Pole Position in association with BritishPoles.uk. Um, Alina, who do we have today? He's rather special, isn't he? He is quite special. So I'm excited to introduce to you Swavomir Demski. He's a historian, analyst, author and the director of the Polish Institute of International Affairs. He's written a great book on the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact and edited a three-volume edition of documents, which, I've, by the way, I've seen, I've seen it. It's, it's brilliant. So I'm really excited. Welcome. Well, um, good morning, everyone, <laughs> or good afternoon, rather. Or, you know, in any time you are going to, to listen to us, hello. <laughs> hello. Where are you about? Uh, where are you at the moment? Well, I'm also in my office um, at at the institute. And how is uh, lockdown? Well, uh, busy, I would say. <laughs> we have <laughs> we, we know we, we are expert analytical institution, and so we uh, work, however, in, in a little bit differently than we we, we do uh, usually. But I have an uh, impression that we work even harder than normally. A lot of you know video conference meetings, um, uh, phone calls, emails, all this stuff, um, which which uh, indeed keeps us busy. Well, let's talk about your speciality. Um, well, one of your many many specialities. But Alina mentioned your book on the Hitler-Stalin Pact. And so, starting if, at the beginning, if you like, tell us about define Russia for us before World War Two. Well, it, it, it is indeed a, a very good question because uh, we uh, quite often uh, use uh, um, the term Russia uh, as if um, uh, you know there was a kind of the continuation of uh, Russian statehood um, uh, all the all the time. We, we we have to we have to bear in mind simply. That that in in after um, World War One, we have been dealing with completely different Russia. It was um, an ideological uh, uh, state, um, uh, um, in fact, which uh, uh, for ideological reasons um, uh, was perceived at least as an aggressive one. Uh, they wanted to enlarge, uh, uh, you know, uh, the proletarians proletariat state um, across the globe, uh, believing that, that one day 
um, uh, there won't be any, you know, borders. There won't be uh, any division um, on nations. That uh, one day, uh, uh, you know, all the world would be run by the proletariat and its uh, advanced leadership, which was the Bolshevik uh, or uh, Marxist Party. So that was that was. Uh, uh, kind of the very uh, you know uh, ideological background uh, there, uh, but of course um, the Soviet Union and or Soviet Russia generally was a multinational uh, empire. Uh, the Bolsheviks uh, really thought about themselves as the owners of this empire, uh, and they wanted to continue the tra- imperial tradition of Russia. Um, and Stalin himself was quite um, um, explicit about that. Uh, in 1977, I believe, uh, in very close cycles of his uh, co-workers, he, he openly said that, however, there are a lot of reasons to criticize the Tsars because they were quite awful to the people. Um, uh, but one thing they, they, they uh, um, did well, uh, they established a great empire, um, from you know uh, Europe to 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 Asia, I mean by by continent by you know stretching on over two continents, and we Bolsheviks uh, um, inherited this this empire, and we should uh, do everything uh, what's possible to strengthen it and and uh, expand it. So um, that was you know uh, Stalin's uh, own words describing uh, the value of, of, of this state. But of course, it was a multinational uh, uh, empire. And, you know, uh, Stalin his, himself, which is very well known, I was a Georgian. Um, um, he, of course, prized the Russians are the leading nations, nation uh, in this empire. But only, I believe, um, he, he started to emphasize it in, in after, after, World War War, after World War II. So, at what point is it that the Soviet Union decided to invade Poland? Was this it? Was this the, the, the defining moment? Well, that, that's also a very complicated issue. Um, uh, the Soviet Union wanted, Bolsheviks wanted to re-establish uh, um, uh, uh, borders of, of, of Russia, of Russian Empire, as it were, um, you know, uh, in 1914, be, be, before um, uh, World War One started, so that was uh, that was, you know, a kind of the dream. Uh, the reasoning why they they, they wanted to reestablish uh, um, the shape of of uh, pre World War One shape of, of the Russian Empire was that. Um, uh, uh, they they thought that they paid a, a very heavy price for uh, you know uh, grabbing power in Russia. Um, um, they succeeded in in domestic war uh, against you know uh, um, supporters of of um, of the South, um, so-called the White. Um, and uh, but the price they paid was that they lost uh, huge territories uh, 
uh, in the west of of uh, the west to to uh, um, uh, uh, to Soviet Union, Russia. It means the Finland, Baltic states, Poland, um, Bessarabia, um, the, so the you know, the part of the territory which. Uh, which was uh, uh, then after World War One attached to Romania. So all these, you know, Western boundaries, uh, they lost. So um, it was a kind of the uh, uh, thinking that uh, once they regain it, they would um, uh, legitimize their power in Russia as well. So they believed that they lost it temporarily and and uh, actually uh, uh, this thought was introduced by Lenin already in 1980 when they uh, encouraged their uh, um, uh, colleagues um, uh, uh, um, uh, to sign the treaty, separating treaty, separation treaty uh, or with, uh, with Germany in March 1918. Um, which actually uh, um, meant that that Russia um, um, was leaving the uh, Entente um, Cordiale, was leaving the coalition fighting with, with Germany and Austrian, Austria-Hungary. Um, and um, uh, the reason uh, why uh, you know, uh, Lenin was so effective uh, in doing that, um, in persuading uh, other colleagues and and collaborators uh, to do that, was that it's only temporary thing. And the ones we, um, uh, we we are able to strengthen uh, our country, our our power in Russia, uh, the time would come uh, when we would uh, be able to regain uh, all these lost territories. And, you know, the, the first attempt of, of, you know, regaining these lost territories was, was you know, Polish-Soviet War of 1920 1921. Um, uh, there was a, a you know, uh, un- unsuccessful attempt to, uh, to conquer Poland in, in that time. So, uh, the foundations of this policy was, were already there. Uh, in 1939, uh, Stalin simply used an opportunity created by Hitler um, to uh, put on the table uh, his own claims. So at the moment, we're in 1939. Let's take a step back to 1938. We want to talk a bit more about the Munich Conference because I think this is quite a significant point in in this topic. So tell us a little bit more about the Munich Conference. Um, well, it was a kind of the, the attempt to uh, correct mistakes um, uh, that had been done during the Paris Peace Conference. Um, uh, I think, you know, uh, um, Germany uh, managed to persuade uh, European uh, uh, political elite, but not only European political elites, but also the societies, that um, some um, uh, provisions of, of, uh, of the peace treaty uh, simply uh, uh, went too far and they were unjust, uh, particularly towards Germany and the Germans. 
Uh, the problem was that you know uh, all this this you know the concept of the new order uh, was was based on you know certain uh, principles. Um, one of them, uh, one of the most important running principles behind this order, was the right for self determination. Uh, and drafting drafting the borders um, during the, 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 the peace conference, um, um, you know, those drafters uh, actually um, uh, had to solve, you know, a very complicated problem, how much are uh, ground they should give to uh, the principle of right to self-determination and how much uh, weight they should attribute to the uh, historical claims and historical arguments behind, behind you know, uh, certain territories. Um, and Czechoslovakia was a very uh, complicated case. Because uh, um, um, you know all Czechoslovakian, uh, the Czechoslovakian borders were actually a, a new invention. Uh, it was a new state um, with very you know uh, um, disputable um, historical arguments uh, uh, as far as uh, its border are concerned. Uh, so that's. Um, uh, um, the, the, the trouble was that you know there were approximately two million Germans uh, um, uh, within this new uh, state, um, and uh, you know so-called Sudetenland, the western part of the of, of new newly created Czechoslovakia, was inhabited mostly by the Germans. So, um, so from the point of view of this, this running very important principle of self-determination, that was a kind of the unjust compromise. At least that was a, a kind of the a perception in, in, uh, in uh, um, 20s and the 30s uh, um, uh, um, in Europe. So uh, the Munich conference uh, uh, was about, uh, um, you know, uh, making a ground uh, uh, correction, the founding fathers of the of the Versailles Order, uh, that is um, United Kingdom and France, uh, wanted to um, um, force the hand of the Czechoslovakian uh, 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 government um, uh, to um, you know uh, to surrender um, the existing uh, borders. Um, to surrender to German claims uh, and uh, introduce a, a new uh, uh, um, border of the Czechoslovakian state. Um, and of course, uh, all of that was done um, under the slogan of saving, of you know, defending peace in in, in Europe. Um, um, decision makers, French and British decision makers, believed, and they want, and they all, you know, uh, um, they hoped that uh, a Munich Accord would be the last uh, uh, attempt uh, to, uh, uh, you know, um, give what Hitler wanted. Uh, we have to, uh, we have to understand that uh, prior to the to the Munich. They had already agreed for Anschluss of Austria. I mean, the reunification of German German nation, um, something uh, you know uh, that uh, had not happened in 1980 
However, the, the Austrian Germans wanted to re, uh, rejoin um, uh, with uh, other Germans and create one German state in center of Europe. Uh, and, uh, this, this aspiration was stopped uh, by the great powers. They didn't allow the Germans to create one state in the heart of Europe. They believed that this German state would be too strong uh, and, they, that, that's, that, and for that reason, uh, uh, um, uh, the state of Austria was created. Um, uh, the same, in, the, in more or less the same uh, um, uh, way, uh, Czechoslovakia was created, and also part of Poland was created in the same way, as a kind of the compromise between the arguments about the self-determination and uh, the historical ones. Uh, and this, you know, this balance between these this, these two issues were not uh, um, uh, even in many cases, uh, and Czechoslovakia case was was one of the most uh, most uh, stunning one. And um, there was a you know widespread agreement that something has to be done uh, to um, uh, you know to um, make uh, uh, borders in Europe. Uh, more just than it was done uh, in 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 Paris. Can you tell us? Because <clears throat> I'm interested in this. Was the Soviet Union actually there at the Munich Conference? Well, that's also a complicated thing because uh, since 1935, uh, there were in kind of the agreement with the France and and Czechoslovakia. Uh, and uh, the Soviet Union was a kind of the guarantee of, of um, uh, was ally and guarantee of, you know, indirect guarantee of Czechoslovakian borders. The trouble was that um, um, French uh, Czechoslovakian agreement was the one which should have triggered uh, a fait accompli. Um, uh, and uh, uh, without uh, France coming to the assistance with, uh, to Czechoslovakia, the Soviets were not obliged to fulfill their obligation, treaty obligations to this uh, uh, state. So that was a quite complicated legal, political uh, arrangement. Um, uh, so, uh, um, however, politically, Soviets, the Soviets were involved in, you know, into this or this issue, um, but uh, um, uh, were not allowed to uh, have a say. Why they ha- they was not they were not allowed uh, for very simple reasons. I mean, the uh, 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 Munich Conference and all negotiations about the Czechoslovakian border were perceived as a continuation of the Paris Peace uh, negotiations and Paris Peace Agreement. And in Paris in 1980, 1990, um, uh, the Soviets were, n- were not present. Why they were not present there? For very simple reason, again, uh, they were perceived as a, as a German's uh, ally, uh, not, uh, you know, n- not legal uh, uh, representatives of Russia. Uh, again, we have to, we have to uh, 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 remind our listeners about uh, the Brest Treaty signed between German and the Bolsheviks in March 1980. Because of that, they were perceived as, uh, as uh, um, uh, German's ally 
and were not allowed to have a say uh, during the Paris Peace Conference. As a consequence, were also absent uh, um, at, at, uh, in Munich, uh, and they were not uh, involved in these negotiations about uh, adjusting, adjusting uh, Czechoslovakian borders in 1938. However, for different reasons, uh, they were somehow obliged to, uh, to, to come um, uh, with the assistance if um, Czechoslovakian independence uh, was under the threat. So that was a kind of a complicated political uh, military picture. Um, um, uh, and one additional uh, um, angle should have been uh, mentioned here. Um, uh, one of the most important Soviet foreign policy aims at that time was to, rega was to regain uh, the status, uh, the power, you know, uh, status among the, the most powerful nations uh, in Europe, um, uh, the Tsarist Russia used to have before the uh, First World War. Definitely, uh, um, the old Russia, so-called um, uh, Russia under old regime, as uh, 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 Richard Pimes framed it, uh, was one of the most powerful um, uh, um, actors, uh, political actors in Europe, at least since uh, 1815 and the Congress of Vienna. Um, uh, so Bolsheviks, uh, uh, because of 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 um, of the revolution, because of uh, uh, um, uh, lost war uh, uh, to Germany um, in in 1917, 1918, um, uh, they were, um, uh, you know, uh, they lost this status and they wanted to regain it. Um, that's why uh, all this, you know, in the 30s, they tried to use diplomatic means to regain this, this status. And that was, it is uh, the famous period of, of uh, Maxim Litvinov's, uh, the, 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 the People's Commissar for Foreign Affairs, um, uh, um, responsible for, for this policy. They wanted to regain this status through diplomatic means. They become a member of uh, League of Nations. Um, they, uh, they believed that they would have an equal say with the France and, and, and United Kingdom um, about European politics. And all these expectations failed in Munich in 1938. They were not invited. Uh, different principle, a uh, different paradigm of, of political negotiations were used in that time. The paradigm which ex actually excluded um, the Soviets uh, from uh, from this conversation, uh, and they were because of that they were um, um, uh, very much disappointed. Uh, Stalin was disappointed um, uh, of Litvinov and this uh, this uh, you know uh, policy of of diplomatic um, uh, actions, um, uh, and you know uh, regain again. A kind of the uh, you know um, threat of uh, isolation um, uh, um, started to, uh, to to you know to shape um, the perception of of the Soviet uh, of, of Stalin and his co-workers in the Politburo uh, on the eve of nineteen of, of the uh, uh, World War Two. I've got a question. I want to throw something really controversial at you. 
Okay, don't judge me. Go ahead. Was Poland involved in the Munich Conference in 1938? That's that's a very good question. No, Poland was not a, 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 a part of Munich Conference 1938. However, it benefited in a way um, from uh, the conclusions uh, uh, drawn out from uh, this uh, this conference uh, uh, to explain that um, we should uh, come back to the uh, 1925 and the Locarno Treaty. Uh, very in very brief uh, uh, terms, uh, um, in Locarno Treaty, uh, it was agreed that uh, the western borders of Germany are uh, rock solid. Um, they had uh, uh, multinational uh, guarantees um, and uh, Germany uh, subscribed to the, to the agreement that uh, um, uh, these borders would not be changed um, um, uh, would, would never be changed. So that was a kind of the settlement for uh, West German borders. Uh, Eastern German borders, that was another question, however. Um, they didn't get the same status. Uh, Germany didn't, uh, uh, didn't want it to give uh, uh, such, uh, the same guarantees. Um, uh, as they did to, towards, you know, the shape of the Western borders. And that's, and, and, and the Locarno Conference and Locarno uh, Accord uh, uh, open uh, actually a debate about changes of, uh, of uh, um, Eastern uh, borders of, of Germany. Um, and that was, of course, you know, uh, a, a kind of the... Uh, um, unspoken pressure um, on first Poland and, and the Czechoslovakia also. Those two states benefited, uh, um, you know, very much uh, from uh, the, the Paris Peace Conference and decisions made there about Western borders of these two countries. So um, uh, the idea was, and you know, the kind of the perception, common widespread perception in Europe was that the first, uh, um, let's say, uh, case uh, of, for adjustment of, um, of German borders would be a Polish-German border. Um, and, you know, London and Paris, uh, uh, you know, were quite well with this idea, um, which, of course, undermine, uh, which, you know, uh, this kind of feelings undermine the Polish-French treaty, um, uh, um, Polish, uh, French um, uh, uh, mutual trust, um, and to avoid this kind of the pressure, Poland uh, uh, signed a non-aggression treaty with Germany in, in, in 26 January 1934. Uh, this treaty uh, changed the situation uh, um, um, completely. Uh, because uh, first it put out the pressure from Poland and focused on the political attention on Czechoslovakia. Um, and that was a kind of the, you know, common understanding that if uh, there would be need 
to if there is a need to uh, you know uh, to make some corrections about um, um, German eastern borders, uh, the problem would be with Czechoslovakia rather than than with Poland. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. So, um, uh, in the 30s, um, um, that, as I said, there was a common agreement that something has to be done with Czech- Western Czechoslovakian borders. After nationals of, of Austria in, in March 1938, the Czechoslovakian question was, uh, you know, uh, was open. Uh, and Poland, in, that, uh, in these circumstances, um, introduced uh, uh, the following policy. Uh, Warsaw said that if uh, any changes would be made um, to um, 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 in favor of uh, um, German minority in Czechoslovakian state, uh, the Polish minority should be treated uh, in exactly the same way. <coughs> so that was a. a, a um, and that was an argument made by Warsaw of equal treatment of all minorities in Czechoslovakia. So if we change something about Czechoslovakia, it should be, <coughs> it should concern all its minorities. So, uh, uh, in June 1938, uh, uh, this principle was agreed by all parties involved in in Czechoslovakia uh, case, including uh, the Czechoslovakian government itself. So, when in the Munich conference it was agreed that um, uh, German minorities of Czechoslovakia should uh, um, should get a, a right to to rejoin with with Germany, <coughs> and the new border should be established between these two two states. Poland <coughs> raised an argument that um, in such a circumstances, uh, Polish minority of uh, Czechian um, uh, or Czechian uh, should also have a right to rejoin um, with Poland. I don't want to go too deeply into historical context why that was a, a subject of of of, um, uh, of dispute between uh, Czechoslovakia and Poland, I mean, the, the Czechian region. Yeah, because, in, you know, uh, there were reasons why in 1990 uh, Poland was not uh, uh, 
let's say, um, uh, satisfied with, um, with, you know, uh, police, uh, politics of Czechoslovakian governments towards the Chechen. But there's another story. There are historical reasons. However, uh, both states agreed <coughs> that the, the, the Chechen would, would have belonged to uh, to Czechoslovakia, rather. So, uh, in 1938, simply uh, after the Munich uh, um, Accord was signed, Poland um, uh, issued an ultimatum uh, towards Czechoslovakia, demanding a return of, Chechen, of the Chechen region to Poland, and the Czechoslovakian government agreed on that. Let's fast forward a little bit <clears throat> to 1939. Yes. Yes, um, uh, in the you know in, in the sense yes because you know um, uh, this Polish move uh, was perceived uh, as you know as a bad policy uh, uh, in Europe uh, and put Poland in, in the kind of the you know uh, uh, temporal isolation a political isolation in Poland in the same uh, in Europe uh, actually you know the same feelings were about Soviet Union. Um, which uh, wanted to, to participate in the Munich Conference while was denied um, uh, this, this right. Uh, and in Moscow, uh, the leaders also uh, um, you know, uh, felt that they are isolated in Europe. So that was a, <coughs> a kind of the, uh, the situation um, um, on the breach of 1938-1939. <coughs> Let's talk about the invasion. So we have Hitler's coming in, obviously, on the 1st of September 1939, and then Stalin invades Poland on the 17th of September 1939. Do you right. think that both Hitler and Stalin are equally responsible for the start of the Second World War? No, um, definitely uh, they are responsible, but you know, this, this responsibility is, not un or, or, or is equal. Definitely, Hitler wanted to to uh, wage war in Europe in order to reestablish uh, uh, the political system. Uh, they wanted to regain uh, a, a, a dominance of Germany in, in Europe, <clears throat> uh, while uh, Stalin simply were, was uh, not interested to defend peace. In Europe, was not defend was completely not interested to collaborate with uh, uh, defenders of of the peace. It means France, uh, United Kingdom, and Poland uh, in 1939, because in his interest, in the interest of the Soviet Union, as I tried to explain uh, 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 earlier, was to regain uh, the borders and territories lost. Uh, twenty years, uh, uh, um, uh, twenty years uh, uh, before, so that was uh, the Stalin's uh, interest, and simply he, he used the opportunity created by Hitler and his uh, uh, policies uh, um, to get it. So that's you know, the, it, um, however, the, the, they both are responsible. Um, they both um, signed, uh, um, you know, um, kind of the. Uh, Collaboration Treaty, the Munich uh, Ribbentrop Motto Pact was a treaty about collaboration uh, of uh, these two countries in um, uh, turning, uh, you know, uh, 
peace in Europe into pieces, tearing the peace in Europe into pieces. That was the, 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 the purpose of this agreement. Um, completely illegal from the point of view of international law. Um, because, you know, if we compare it, for instance, uh, 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 Riban to Pact with, uh, uh, the Munich Accord, there are two different, uh, there are two different, uh, um, uh, let's say treaties. Munich Accord was, was, you know, uh, open for the public. Uh, there was nothing, nothing secret in there. Um, the, it was fully, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, in accordance with, with international law. However, of course, uh, uh, you know, um, in Czechoslovakian government uh, were pushed to, to, to subscribe to this a- agreement. But was the, the Czechoslovakian government, we liked it or not, was a part of the game. While the Ribbentrop-Molotov Pact was a secret deal uh, about uh, the future and the fate of, of nations neighboring to the Soviet Union, uh, these nations were not part of the game. And they were uh, simply an object of of decision of of Germany, uh, Nazi Germany, and the, and the Bolshevik uh, uh, um, Russia. So that was the uh, 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 difference. So uh, the blame is not uh, put, you know, um, uh, in, you know, it's not equal. It's not equal, definitely. Um, and I would even say that. Um, it was not sure that the Soviet Union would enter the war with Poland uh, um, after Ribbentrop Molotov Pact was signed, uh, and you know uh, uh, um, the lack of clarity what Stalin would do um, uh, was caused by the Polish-British uh, Accord of the Alliance of 1925 of, of August 19 of 25. Um, um, because you know, we we have to bear in mind that the Ribbentrop Molotov Pact, from the start, from the Hitler's point of view, uh, was a kind of the propaganda blow to the uh, to the concept of you know uh, of the alliance of France, United Kingdom with uh, Soviet uh, Russia to stop him. Uh, he, it was a kind of the um, attempt to uh, send a message to Paris and London that the case of Poland is lost, that Poland cannot be defended, the Soviet Union uh, is uninterested in, in uh, defending Poland, the, the public part of our Ribbentrop Molotov uh, uh, Treaty uh, was very clear about it. It, is, it was a, uh, um, um, an accord about... about uh, Neutrality, um, in 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 fact, non-aggression treaty. Uh, the public uh, element uh, uh, of of this treaty was about non-aggression. So, uh, uh, from the Hitler's point of view, it was a message to the to the to Paris and, and London uh, that the case of Poland is lost. Uh, unfortunately, and surprisingly uh, for Hitler. Um, uh, Great Britain decided to sign uh, a, a formal alliance with Poland only two days later. Um, and that was a kind of the, a fear in, in Berlin that this, this move could influence uh, the Stalin's calculus and, the, and um, effectively could undermine uh, you know, the political agreement 
um, which was behind uh, Ribbentrop of Pact. And there are many evidence that uh, uh, both Hitler and Ribbentrop were not uh, very sure that Stalin would cooperate with them in September 1939. Um, uh, Ribbentrop himself uh, made uh, several uh, calls to the uh, Soviet embassy, embassy in, in Berlin, trying to encourage you know, very you know, low-ranking uh, clerk, low-ranking diplomat, that from the point of view of, of German foreign policy, uh, nothing had changed. Um, uh, and uh, nothing changed, and that uh, Germany would would uh, would uh, continue to pursue um, um, uh, its own policy towards Poland and Soviet uh, Union on the ground of the agreement mode of uh, pact. Um, uh, and you know, after the aggression uh, in September 1939, it was you no know, uh, again not sure whether the Red Army would enter Poland or not. Ribbentrop tried to, uh, to push uh, uh, the Soviets uh, uh, into this direction. They tried to blackmail them in seven uh, occasions. Um, he wanted to uh, push Lithuanians to grab part of the Polish territory, which was uh, supposed, you know, according to the Ribbentrop mode of fact, was, uh, you know, uh, already in the uh, prescripted as a part of the Soviet uh, zone of influence, they tried to do it uh, um, the same with the Hungarians, uh, and uh, they, uh, you know, uh, already uh, even in, in September uh, 11, they prepared a, a diplomatic documents which was supposed to be to be sent to, to Moscow. Well, they, they, they try to uh, elude, uh, suggest, to suggest uh, um, Stalin that uh, uh, if the um, Red Army um, uh, um, um, does not cross um, our Polish-Soviet border, uh, Germany would have no other option but to create uh, a semi-independent Polish state. This diplomatic document was not uh, ultimately was not delivered because uh, the German diplomacy uh, um, got information uh, that the, 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 the Soviets are preparing themselves um, to enter into the war with Poland, so there was no need to blackmail them further. But but uh, all of that proves uh, uh, my uh, um, thesis that. Um, uh, you know, Polish-British uh, uh, um, Accord of Alliance contributed heavily to understanding or, or the clarity of the situation in, in, in Berlin. And they were, the Germans were not so sure that the Stalins would, that Stalin uh, would uh, um, um, follow uh, Ribbentrop mode of pact. Let's, um, to be honest, I think there's great. Let's take a step forward into the future because for those who don't know, uh, Swabek is the um, director of the Polish Institute of International Affairs. So he writes a lot of modern um, articles, does a lot of things with current affairs. So we had a question come on from another historian that I'm actually interested in, uh, in your opinion. 
because it's uh, it's about Putin <laughs> and it's about modern day politics. So in 2009, sorry, let me say who it's from. It's actually from Izzy Sorkins, who's a, like I said, fellow historian. So in 2009, Vladimir Putin noted, quote, without any doubt, we have good reason to condemn the molotov ribbentrop Pact, concluded in August 1939. Ten years later, Putin has come to a rather different understanding. He has started to blame Poland and Western powers for appeasing Hitler in an attempt to justify the pact. How can this change in understanding to be explained? Well, uh, uh, at least uh, uh, we, we can, I can explain it uh, um, uh, from, you know, from very different ang uh, angles. But let me just mention three of them. First, it is a state of Polish-Russian um, Polish, uh, relations. In, 19, in, in 2009, <clears throat> uh, Putin believed that you know, uh, uh, for some historical concession that could uh, he could gain something from from Poland, and particularly uh, that the Russian uh, companies run by um, former secret uh, service uh, uh, officers or people uh, um, you know um, associated with them quite closely would have a, a, an opportunity to buy Polish companies. So, um, in exchange of you know some nice words about Polish history, he wanted to please Polish government uh, and to um, um, you know uh, make all this economic uh, beat uh, much more easier. So that's you know a very pragmatic utilitarian explanation why the poli why you know Putin change. Um, its mind uh, and in its narrative about Polish-Soviet uh, uh, history. Uh, um, uh, that's, that's one um, interpretation. Another one, of course, is that actually um, uh, after um, uh, Russia's aggression on Ukraine uh, uh, in 2014 and after annexation of Crimea where um, uh, all these uh, um, instruments that had been implemented by the Soviet Union um, in uh, in 1939 against Poland were again implemented against Ukraine and uh, um, um, you know in the case of Crimea. So uh, uh, in October 1939. Um, uh, the Soviets organized uh, fake elections as kind of the plebiscite on on the occupied Polish Eastern territories. The same uh, uh, thing uh, Putin did in, in Crimea, the kind of the voting which was uh, supposedly uh, legitimized uh, the territorial acquisition. Um, so that's, that, uh, you know, for also for, uh, let's say, uh, uh, um, uh, contemporary reasons, some arguments um, um, that Soviets used against Poland uh, appeared quite useful for Putin um, in, in 2014 and afterwards. So actually that created a, a situation with which, in which it was much more difficult for current political reasons to criticize the policies, uh, means, 
uh, and also, you know, the pop even propaganda language um, um, uh, of of the Soviet Union in 1939, 1940, um, uh, because he simply used the same language, the same means, the same policies. So uh, uh, that was another uh, another way of, of of explaining the things. And that there is, of course, the ter- the third one. Uh, um, we, we have to understand that, uh, you know, domestically, uh, Putin is in a completely different situation uh, in terms of, you know, the domestic poli- uh, uh, politics. Um, now he tries, he tries to prolong his, his uh, another term of staying in power. Um, he needs to change constitution. Uh, he needs he needs to manipulate the Russian society uh, to get that, um, and uh, for all these reasons, uh, the forthcoming uh, uh, anniversary of of the end uh, of uh, World War Two and the victory of the World War Two um, uh, becomes you know uh, politically very important to him. So he wants he wants to create a situation. In which, uh, uh, or the perception in which the Soviet uh, uh, Union, the victory over Nazi Germany, um, um, is a kind of the, uh, um, uh, you know, um, um, historical effort uh, upon which contemporary Russia is uh, is being built. He wants to introduce a kind of the new religion. Um, uh, he wants to build upon this experience of, of World War II, kind of new uh, um, religion uh, around which uh, all Russians can uh, um, can rely on and can can uh, support and have uh, a sense of pride. So it is uh, uh, also a kind of the um, uh, so- sociological engineering into that. In which a World War II history plays an, an unimportant role, uh, uh, I would say even crucial role, um, because you know uh, this victory in World War II is one of the few things all Russians are feel feel um, you know uh, that they are proud of, uh, and for good reasons, of course. You know, um, a lot of a lot of uh, Russians. Uh, um, you know, contributed their lives to this victory. Uh, all Russian families lost somebody. You know, officially, 27 million people uh, died in World War II uh, in Soviet Union. So not only Russians. Um, however, the Russian propaganda try tries to frame it as if all uh, those are. Uh, 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 um, um, who were killed or lost their lives, they all the Russians. No. Again, we come back to this, you know, very, very important uh, notion that Soviet Union was a multinational uh, uh, empire, multinational uh, country, um, and all nations of the Soviet Union paid a very heavy price for, for this victory. Before we go, I really have to bring this up in this podcast very, very quickly. So back in 2018, I remember an incident where you travelled somewhere and something happened. Can you really, really, really quickly tell us what happened? 
Well, you know, I try. I was invited to attend um, uh, the conference um, organized by one of the institutions of the Russian Academy of Science, and I was stopped on on Russian border at the Domodedovo Airport in Moscow. Uh, I was detained briefly, and was simply my visa was was cancelled, and I was not allowed to enter Russian territory. Uh, however, you know, uh, um, I've got a uh, five years uh, valid visa uh, issued, you know, um, just four months uh, before, uh, earlier, four months earlier. So that's, uh, that, that's you know, well, that was my experience, which, uh, you know, uh, so actually I'm, I'm, um, uh, I'm not allowed to, to enter Russian territory. Uh, I've got now unofficial uh, uh, documents from Russian authorities uh, explaining that the reason is that I, uh, I'm uh, regarded as a, a direct threat to Russian security and defense interest. Uh, so, <laughs> so I am. So I am yeah. I'm sorry. I, I've, I've just got to tell you, we did a big Facebook and Twitter campaign, uh, free Slavic Dembski, because it went through like wildfire that he was stuck over there. <laughs> so I really remember that, that moment. So there I you go, to, ladies and gents. Yes, I have to say that, that uh, you know, um, uh, I devoted uh, um, uh, a significant part of my professional life to study Russia. I have a lot of Russian friends. I love this country. I love this country, uh, the, the culture. I love the people there, and I miss them very much. Slavik. We have about 100,000 million questions to give you, but unfortunately, we've run, out of, I've run out of time for it because I can talk to you for hours and hours and hours on end. You are an encyclopedia of information that, for me, is just absolutely astonishing. How do you remember all of this stuff? It's, it's just absolutely incredible. I'm assuming well, Alex probably feels the same. His, his brain is so big, I'm actually scared of it. I'm scared of your brain. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much for having me. If, no, if thank I'm you. not too boring, no, uh, not I, at I, I all. promise. I promise. Uh, accept uh, another invitation from you uh, another time. Thank you so Do much. Do you know what I think? Um, Alex and I are definitely going to have to come up to Warsaw at one stage, just the two of us, and uh, we can sit down over a glass of wine and have a chat. So, be amazing. Wonderful. But perfect. Thank you so much. And um, we'll hopefully have you back on at some point soon. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward for that. Thank you very amazing. much. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.